January 29th, 2021. You are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio, and I'm your host, Critch. Um, sorry for the gap in episodes here. I had a week that kind of got away on me, as it sometimes happens to all of us. Um, but yeah, we're back here today, and we are just going to get right to it here. And the first thing I wanted to cover, um, Chef has been doing a real good job here. Shout out to Chef in getting me a ton of information. Um, what we're going to do is cover more vaccine deaths (laughs) that seem to be springing up all over the place but uh they just get their their little two seconds of of blurp and that's about it but here on cpr we cover these extensively now this comes to us from fox 13 from tampa bay and the title is oc healthcare worker dies after receiving second covid19 vaccine shot official cause of death pending this is by gina silva and this was published two days ago an Orange County healthcare worker has died days after receiving his second dose of Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine. It was, it was reported Tuesday. The coroner, ha- the coroner has said the cause of death is inconclusive for now, and further toxicology testing will take months. That seems to be the trend in North America with any of these deaths. Eh? They just will not release the information. <clears throat> no surprise for any of us. Tim Zook. 60 worked as an x-ray technologist in in at south coast global medical center in santa Ana. on january 5th zook posted a photo of his covid19 vaccination card with the caption never been so excited to get a shot before i am now fully vaccinated after receiving my second pfizer dose just two hours after receiving his second dose he started to experience abdominal pain and breathing difficulties his health spiraled downward and he died four days later The doctors believe that his body reacted to something after he took the vaccine, and they called it an inflammatory reaction. His wife of 27 years, Rochelle, it was so intense that it started attacking major organs and he never had a chance to recover. His family said he had high blood pressure and was slightly overweight, but other than that, he was quite healthy. Zook's wife said her husband was... uh, proponent of the vaccine and that she does not blame any pharmaceutical company. Oh, well, that's nice of you. He believed in vaccines. I'm sure he would take the vaccine again, and he'd he'd want the public to take it, she said. She said she believes there needs to be more research done in cases of severe reactions to the vaccine because although they are rare, 
really? Uh, just a second. Let's step out here. Are they really rare here, uh, Rochelle? Because we on this show are starting to see quite a few of them, especially with this vaccine. But anyway, <clears throat> because although they are rare, they can be fatal in some cases. Despite their tragic loss, the Zook family believes people still need to be vaccinated. The uh, message is take the vaccine because it's not, f- it's not, it is far more greater to die from COVID than to die from the result of a vaccine. That is such a stupid thing to say. Oh boy. <clears throat> Zook's death has been reported to the National Vaccine Adverse event reporting system run by the Food and Drug Administration and Centers for the Disease Control. The Orange County Coroner's Office told Fox 11 that if there is any correlation between his death and the vaccine, it will notify the OC Healthcare Agency. We need to continue the investigations and see what this gentleman passed away from, said Dr. Nathan Newman, the lead physician at Santa Monica Urgent Care. He's taken both doses of the Pfizer vaccine and says serious problems are extremely rare. People are worried, they're afraid, but I think they should be reassured that studies were done with tens of thousands of people, very few serious reactions occurred, and the benefits of receiving the vaccination far outweighs any of the the risks we are seeing. Uh, what's he talking about? <laughs> there is absolutely zero long-term studies done on this on this vaccine. Zero. And he's talking about um tens of thousands of people but they should be reassured that studies were done with tens of thousands of people very few serious reactions occurred and the benefits of receiving the vaccine far outweighs any of the risks that we are seeing um yeah <laughs> i'll wait for 10 to 12 years and see see what happens to all of, all of you people that are getting the vaccine how's that sound there newman <clears throat> Newman. <laughs> you guys remember uh, Seinfeld? <laughs> that just reminded me of that. This past weekend, health officials in uh, Placer County reported that a person died hours after getting a COVID-19 vaccine, though they did not specify which vaccine the person received. The individual had tested positive for COVID-19 in late December and was administered a COVID-19 vaccine several hours before their death on January 21st, 2021. There are multiple local, state, and federal agencies actively investigating this case. Any reports surrounding the cause of death are premature, pending the outcome of the investigation, the Placer County Sheriff Sheriff Corner Division said in a statement. The CDC has released information after learning of severe allergic reactions in some cases to the COVID-19 vaccine and recommends if a person has ever had a severe allergic reaction to any ingredient in in a COVID-19 vaccine, then they should not get that specific vaccine. Well, how would you know until you get it? (laughs) That's just another stupid statement. Oh my God. This does not mean that everyone with bad allergies is barred from getting it. The CDC recommends that people with a history of severe allergic reactions not related to vaccines or injectable medications, such as allergies to food, pet venom, environmental, or latex, may still get vaccinated. People with a history of allergies or oral medications or family history of severe allergic reactions who might have a milder allergy to vaccines may also still get vaccinated. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, what we're going to do is, well, let's just, uh, let's get the show rolling. 
And then I got another story about this vaccine that we're going to cover right away after, after the intro. So I'll be right back. given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons command. Okay, welcome back everybody. And I'm just gonna take a sidestep here and thank you all for tuning in. I know it's the show is quite a bit more difficult to find these days. So I appreciate all of you guys that are, um, you know, making the effort to still find us. Um, even though we're only up on SoundCloud right now, um, I just appreciate every one of you. And uh, it means a lot to me that you guys are following me uh, through all this censorship nonsense that we, uh, that we are uh, currently going through, but, <clears throat> You know, it just makes me think that, you know, on this show, we're over the target and we definitely piss somebody off. So I'm going to just wear it like a badge of honor. And uh, <laughs> I, like I said, I just appreciate all of you for uh, finding me here and still tuning into the show and uh, making it what it is. Uh, this article that I'm going to read you is another one from Chef. And just like I said earlier, he's absolutely killing it with uh, the stuff he's been sending me. Really good stuff, Chef. Much appreciated. 
Okay, this came to us on January 24th, 2021, and this is the Health Impact News, and the title reads, 53 dead in Gibraltar in 10 days after experimental Pfizer mRNA COVID injection started. This is by Brian Shilhavy, and uh, doesn't tell us anymore. Anyway, Gibraltar is a British colony at the southern tip of the uh, Iberian Peninsula attached to the country of Spain. Its population is, its population is just over 30,000 people and it's best known for its huge rock, the Rock of Gibraltar. I have been contacted by residents in Gibraltar stating that 53 people have died in 10 days immediately following the rollout of, of injections of the Pfizer mRNA COVID injections and calling it a massacre. <clears throat> Local media reports confirm the deaths, but blame it on COVID and not the COVID injections. However, prior to the rollout of injections, it is reported that only 16 people in total died from COVID since the beginning of the pandemic about a year ago. Uh, Kevin Rushworth reported, Ever since the epidemic began, began, sorting genuine COVID deaths from others has been a major issue. Now we have the added problem of vaccines in the mix. The UK now allegedly has the highest daily COVID death rate ever, even higher than the first wave in spite of the substantial degree of herd immunity that has inevitably, inevitably occurred since the beginning. This, is a, this atypical second wave coincides with the vaccine rollout. Are the two connected? Gibraltar, normally, normally called simply Jib, provides a very clear picture. This tiny British colony, barely three miles long, appended to the south coast of Spain, has only 32,000 residents. It had suffered relatively little from the uh, epidemic before the 9th of January this year, with only 17 deaths for the whole period. The death rate was well down, the death rate was well down the deaths per million league table. This was not due to isolation since Spain workers have continued to pour into Jib every morning and back out every evening. <clears throat> since the 9th of January, COVID deaths per million have rocketed to third place on the Worldometer site. 36 more deaths in little over a week. What changed on the 9th? The RAF flew in nearly 6,000 Pfizer vaccines, cooled it to minus 70 degrees uh, with dry ice, they were put to use quickly to avoid the risks of uh, degradation. Tiny Jib is like a Petri dish. In no other place has there been such a brutally clear relationship between va the vaccine rollout and increased COVID deaths. Local media and government have not even referred to the obvious connection, and media elsewhere has conveniently not noticed. Yet failing to recognize that these deaths demand at very least immediate investigation requires a criminal a criminal failure of judgment. I cannot find the original source of this quote, but local media reports seem to confirm that the deaths occurred after the experimental Pfizer mRNA injection program started. 13 people died the first weekend, most of them elder elderly and 27 the first week, as per local media sources. From the Gibral Gibraltar Chronicle on January 17th, 2021. Jib recorded another 13 COVID deaths over a devastating weekend that drove the death toll to 43 since the start of the pandemic. <clears throat> During the past week alone, 27 people have passed away either as a direct result of the virus or while infected with it. 
Nine COVID-related deaths were recorded on Sunday, the worst in a single day since the public health crisis almost a year ago. The stark data was confirmed by the Gibraltar government in its latest COVID update on Sunday. As Chief Minister Fabio Picardo confirmed he would address the community in a live press conference from number six co- uh, convent place at 4 p.m. on Monday. Mr. Picardo described the latest developments as harrowing, adding he himself lost a relative and friends in recent days. But all three of those who died this weekend were in the care of the elderly residential services. When there were still 130 active cases of COVID-19 on Sunday, those who died included six women and four men, the youngest in their early 70s and the eldest in the late 90s. All were recorded as being deaths from COVID-19. Two men and two women were not in the care of ERS also died this weekend from complications arising from COVID-19, including, including a man in his late 60s. The first batch of the experimental Pfizer mRNA COVID injections were delivered by the military on January 9th, according to the UK Defence Journal. <clears throat> Excuse me. A British A400M Atlas transport aircraft has delivered the first doses of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine to Jib according to a statement from the government of Gibraltar. Her Majesty's government of Gibraltar is delighted to announce the first delivery of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine on Saturday, January 9th. Upon arrival, the vaccine will be immediately taken directly to dedicated freezers in the basement of St. Bernard's Hospital and kept at minus 75 degrees centigrade. This first delivery is being provided to Gibraltar by the UK government as part of its program to supply the overseas territories as such the methodology of delivery is the same as it is in the UK. 5,850 doses of the vaccine will be received by this first delivery. The second delivery of the vaccine is expected by the end of January. The aim is to have vaccinated all over... 70s with at least one dose by mid-February, assuming the vaccine arrives as planned. Um, obviously, you can tell this is translated, so I'm trying to get through this article the best I can. There's a lot of misspellings and um, uh, some poor grammar, so <laughs> just bear with me here, everybody. <clears throat> the vaccination program for the public of Gibraltar will commence on Monday the 11th of January and uh, and will be at the former primary care center at the ICC. Expatica.com reported that the injection started on January 9th and that by Saturday night, January 10th, 5,847 doses had been administered. Gibraltar began rolling out its vaccination program on January 9th using the Pfizer vaccine and by Sunday night had administered 5,847 doses covering around 17% of the population. Uh, The government of Gibraltar reported that as of January 10th, just one day after the injection started, four people immediately died. It is with deep regret that the government confirms the death of four residents of Gibraltar from COVID-19. This brings the total number of deaths related to COVID-19 in Gibraltar to 16. The first was a male resident of elderly residential services aged 90 to 95 uh, years old who died last night of covid 19 pneumonia with septicemia. This will be recorded in today's statistics as a death from COVID-19. The second was a man aged 70 to 75 years old who was also a cancer patient at the time of their death. 
The patient died today of COVID-19 pneumonia. This will be recorded in today's statistics as a death of COVID-19. The third was a female resident of elderly residential services age 90 to 95 years old who died today from septicemia due to COVID-19. This will be recorded in today's statistics as a death from COVID-19. The fourth was a woman aged 95 to 100 years old who died today of COVID-19 pneumonia. This will be recorded in today's statistics as a death from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Instead of immediately halting the COVID vaccination program, the chief minister, Fab, uh, Fabian Picardo, stated that the vaccines brought genuine relief and hope to a brighter tomorrow. Meanwhile, it's killing all, our, all, their, all your grandparents. What the? F- Jesus. The chief minister, Fabian Picardo, said, I am extremely saddened by today's news of the loss of four members of our community to COVID-19. My thoughts and deepest sympathies are with the families and friends of the deceased. Well, you should get fucking sued, Fabio Picardo. If you had four people die, if you had four people die immediately after the rollout of the vaccine, then you should have halted everything right there. I hope this guy gets, I I hope there's class actions. The people of Gibraltar sue the fuck out of this guy. Okay. The poignancy of their deaths on the same day as Gibraltar's vaccination program has begun is particularly painful. We are not out of the woods yet. The rollout of the vaccine brings us genuine relief and hope for a brighter tomorrow. But until we can vaccinate everyone, the best way to protect your loved ones is to stay at home. Remember also that it takes a few weeks for the vaccine to begin to offer protection against COVID-19. So even when you are vaccinated, you you should still take the greatest of care. That means for now, continuing to stay home, wearing a mask, blah, 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 blah. We don't want to hear more of your globalist BS. Okay. Yes, massacre is the correct term here. And another government official seemingly guilty of mass murder. Do you see a pattern developing here? Inject the elderly first, watch them die by lethal injection, and then blame it on the virus, while encouraging everyone else to get the vaccine to protect themselves. The sad thing is that it is actually working. People are not resisting. Crowds are not rising up to protect the helpless and imprison the murderous tyrants. They are, obey- they are obeying their government by being good citizens and wearing their masks, practicing social distancing, and staying at home just as they are told to do. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? Proverbs 24, verse 11 and 12. I just thought I'd read that because it kind of was the icing on the cake for that article. But uh, pretty shocking, eh? When you take a step back and, and, uh, you know, think about that, that is scary, shocking. um, And I bet you it's happening absolutely everywhere. This is perfect for them because now they can... uh, now they can actually say that the deaths are still rising uh, when in reality it's very likely that the deaths are, are a direct result of uh, elderly people being injected with this vaccine that is that's killing them. Yes, they all had underlying health conditions, but they were, you know, still alive prior to the vaccination. Jesus. Yeah, so a very alarming article. <clears throat> Okay, we're just going to stay on this topic because I've got lots of this to, uh, to cover. Um, 
The next one comes to us from Summit News, and the title is Merck Scraps COVID Vaccine Says It's More Effective to Get the Virus and Recover. Now, this one came to us by way of Day 9 Satan. Good job, Day 9. And this was published four days ago on the 26th of January by Steve Watson. Vaccine manufacturer Merck has abandoned development of two coronavirus vaccines, saying that after extensive research, it was concluded that the shots offered less protection than just contracting the virus itself and developing antibodies. So there you go. There's some common sense by one pharmaceutical company, which is Merck. The company announced that the shots V590 and V591 were well tolerated by test patients. However, they generated an inferior immune system response in comparison to or with natural infection. The company stated that instead it will focus on research into therapeutic drugs labeled as MK-7110 and MK-4482. MK, hey, hmm. I wonder if there's any correlation to MK Ultra. Here, take these drugs. They are therapeutics for COVID-19 and let us completely brainwash you and convince you to do a mass shooting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went I went a little, little far there. I went for a stretch. But, uh, you know, um, there is a show that I've been thinking about that I want to do. And I, I watched a incredible piece. Um, and it was a, basically a, a hypnotist. And he, what he did was... He hypnotized a guy to, he worked with him for 30 days. I know I'm getting off topic here, but we'll get back to this article. What he did was he, and this was over in the UK. What he did was he got a test subject. He spent 30 days hypnotizing this guy. Um, He sent him into a theater and they basically had it all rigged up so that he, you know, they, they mock, they did a mock shooting. Uh, This guy was successful in hypnotizing him in the theater uh, just, just by cues, like he basically had specific cues that, uh, so the guy walks by him, says a cue, the guy acts normal, goes and sits down in his seat. And then, uh, all of a sudden you can see him just kind of, you, you can tell he's just blank and he gets up and, uh, there was already a, a box underneath with a gun with a bunch of blanks in it. The guy grabs this gun, stands over the balcony and just starts rifling shots into the crowd that is watching a speaker on the on the stage. They all knew it was going to happen. They knew the guy was going to be hypnotized, so it wasn't like they, they actually did this. This was all staged. The guy does this, seemingly completely unaffected by his own behavior, turns back around, uh, puts the gun back in a case, closes it, sits back down, and uh, the same guy, actually it was a girl, sorry, it wasn't the hypnotist, they had other p- actors involved, but a girl walked by him and then said said something else into his ear, and he completely snapped out of it, was completely unaware of what he did. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you this, because it was just, it just bounced into my head and I, I, uh, I think I'm going to have to do a show on it because when it comes to mass shooters, one thing you especially, especially the, it seems like the, um, the children mass shooters, when you see them uh, at their arrests, uh, the one thing in common, even adults is they look absolutely confused. They have no fucking idea what just happened. And so when I, when we get into that show, I will actually get that clip and uh, what else? What else I'll do is I'll post it onto the website and uh, onto the Facebook page so you guys can watch it. Anyway, that whole MK seven seven one one zero and MK four four eight two got me completely off topic. <laughs> Let's get back to this article. The drug aims to protect patients from the damage of an overactive immune response to the virus. Interim results from a phase three study showed that showed a greater than 50% reduction in the risk of death or respiratory failure in patients hospitalized with moderate to severe COVID-19. 
The company's statement noted that the uh, noted of the MK seven one one zero drug. Merck is to, to receive around three hundred and fifty six million from the U.S. government to fast track production of the potential treatments under the Operation Warp Speed. Chief Marketing Officer Michael Nally received. Uh, recently told Bloomberg that Merck is aiming to produce some 20 million uh, courses of the MK4482 drug, an oral antiviral which patients will take twice a day for five, five days. Meanwhile, in related news, German scientists have claimed that the UK Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine is less than 8% effective in over 65s. In people over 65, in other words, prompting the vaccine developers to hit back, ru uh, rubbishing the claims. The German media published the claims, alleging that it, it had been confirmed by multiple unnamed senior German government sources. UK, UK government ministers have suggested that the claim could be related to the ongoing dispute over delivery of the vaccine between the European Union and AstraZeneca. The EU, which is yet to approve the vaccine, has threatened to block exports of shots to Britain in a move that has been branded spiteful by the British government sources. In an effort to make sure its, members, uh, states, its member states get their fair share of vaccines, the EU has also threatened to block the delivery of Pfizer vaccines to the UK, demanding that the drug companies provide detailed information on when they plan to export COVID jabs to countries outside the block. Oh, so you got a bit of infighting in the EU. You know what I think the EU should do about all this infighting is they should just completely break up and not be the EU anymore. That would solve all your problems <laughs> and and set the globalists back about 60 years. Hey, friends. <laughs> okay, uh, off, to, off of this one and let's move into, I have one more um, COVID-related article that I want to cover with you guys. Okay, so Canadian researchers, um, so with all this vaccine talk, vaccine deaths that we uncover almost every show now, um, Canadian researchers have uncovered something that I think you guys will find a lot of interest in. And this comes to us from the Post Millennial. And the title is Canadian researchers find COVID antibodies likely last for years. Uh, the research suggests that antibodies peak in the body four weeks after infection, afterwards beginning a slow decline in for at least eight months. This is by Noah David Alter. This was written January 21st, 2021. Okay, new research from the Lundfeld Tannenbaum Research Institute at the Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto suggests that antibodies to coronavirus, coronavirus linger in the body for months and likely years after infection. Global News reports. Now, let's just step out for a minute. Of, of course they fucking would. Um, it's just like the, the cold or a flu the, um, there's, there'd be no difference. Your body's going to build up an immunity to it. And then, you know, over time, probably that, that immunity will, uh, break down or disappear and then you'll end up getting something again. Right. I mean, this isn't, this isn't like completely like just scientific knowledge. This is kind of just common knowledge wrapped in with some research. Right. <laughs> but anyway, let's, let's keep going with this article. <clears throat> We know several people that were infected back in February and they still have quite a bit of antibodies, said uh, LTRI biochemist Anne-Claude uh, Gingres, who, was also helped, who also helped develop one of the earliest coronavirus antibody tests. The neutralizing antibody declined, uh, declined a little bit, but they declined very, very slowly. 
The research suggests that antibodies peak in the body four weeks after an infection, afterwards beginning a slow decline for at least eight months. Gringas compared the long-lasting antibodies to SARS, which can linger in the body for well over a decade. She noted that one of the patients who suffered from SARS in 2003 still carries antibodies over 17 years later. Well, this is SARS-CoV-2, my friends. So odds are if you've had COVID, uh, look at that, 17 years. That's wild. The research fuels uh, calls to lift some of coronavirus restrictions on people who have already recovered from the illness, as chances of reinfection are uh, very unlikely. Many medical experts have been skeptical as such claims uh, of such claims that those who are already infected are immune from reinfection. Well, I don't see how it would be any different than anything else. So these medical ex- experts are not experts at all. They're idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I've got an opinion and I'm going to use it. <laughs> oh. Gingras somewhat agrees with her skepticism, noting that antibodies may last for uh, vastly different periods of time in the body depending on the person and how severe the symptoms are. Different people that have different symptoms, severity, have different levels of antibodies, Gingras explained. The question will be, the people that didn't have bad symptoms, will their antibodies fall faster? Such problems will likely not exist for the vaccine, however, as everyone will be receiving an equal dose. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, um, a vaccine that alters your uh, your DNA <laughs> that we have absolutely no idea what it's going to do in the long term. I'm going to just take my chances with the antibodies. As you guys that listen to the show know, I'm absolutely convinced I had uh, COVID-19 at the end of last November. So <clears throat> there you go. A few coronavirus patients have developed a virus a second time since the start of the pandemic. So that is the last sentence. So, just like I said, it's a bit of common sense uh, mixed with research. Um, I can't see, even though we know that, um, you know, COVID-19 was very likely developed in the U.S. and then shipped over to China for gain of function and then released upon the world, how would it be any different that the human body could adapt and um, create an immunity to it? There's just, there's, it doesn't make any sense. And then just herd immunity by being in close proximity to people that have it or whatever, swap of fluids. You, let's say you had COVID-19 and you and your missus uh, are getting fresh one night. Well, you swap a bit of fluids there and she probably now has it too. There's a lot of good things with swapping fluids at times, right? <laughs> just a fancy, fancy way of saying banging. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, it seems like uh, I had actually more articles about uh, uh, COVID than I initially had thought, but that's okay because, uh, so paper president muffins, that's what I call Joe Biden. Now, if you're wondering why I call him paper president muffins, just uh, to yourself, say muffins backwards and you'll get it. (laughs) Paper president muffins. Uh, actually came out and uh, announced uh, what's going on with the vaccine south of the line. And I just want you guys to listen to this. Not in hand yet, but order. We expect these additional 200 million doses to be delivered this summer. And some of it will come as early, began to come in early summer, but by the, mid, by the midsummer that this vaccine will be there. And the order, and, 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 and that increases the total vaccine order in the United States by 50% from 400 million order to 600 million. This is enough vaccine to fully vaccinate 300 Americans. 
by end of the summer, the beginning of the fall. But we want to make, look, that's, I want to repeat, it'll be enough to fully vaccinate 300 Americans to be. Just, just in case, right? So they upped the vaccine count from 400 million to 600 million. And uh, President Muffins here says uh, that'll be enough to vaccinate 300 people. Jesus. This guy, you know, I don't know what they pumped him full of uh, to get him through those debates. You remember when we were talking about that a while ago, and I don't know what they jacked him right full of. Probably uh, adrenochrome. That was the only thing that could keep him probably on point for a full hour uh, debating Trump, which he, you know, I couldn't believe that they he did as well as he did. But now look at him falling apart. Like he can't even do basic math. Old President Muffins and his executive orders. Anyway, we're not going to talk much about the the U.S. today. We got too much Canadian stuff to cover. So let's get back to, um, okay, links. The links had sent me an article here. Well, not an article. This is actually the um, uh, this is a notice from the WHO um, for the I- IVD users. Okay, so for the basically the PCR test. Uh, this was the drop that a lot of people were talking about, and they did this on January 13th, uh, 2021. WHO inf- information notice for IVD users 2020-05, nucleic uh, test, acid testing technologies that use polymerase chain reaction PCR for detection of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, the purpose of this notice to clarify information previously provided by WHO. This notice supersedes WHO information notice for vitro diagnostic medical device IVD um, users, blah, blah, blah. Description of the problem. WHO requests users to follow the instruction for the IFU when interpreting results for specimens tested using the PCR methodology. Okay, we just have to get down to what it's telling us here. WHO guidance, diagnostic testing for SARS-CoV-2 states that carefully, uh, careful interpretation of weak positive tests is needed. The cycle threshold needed to detect virus is inversely proportional to the patient's virus load, where test results do not correspond with the clinical presentation. A new specimen should be taken and retested using the same or different NAT technology. Who, remo- who reminds IVD users that disease prevalence alters the predictive value of test results and disease prevalence decreases. As disease prevalence decreases, the risk of false positives increases. This means that the probability that a person who has a positive result, SARS-CoV-2 detected, is truly infected with SARS-CoV-2 decreases as prevalence decreases, irrespective of the claims uh, the claim specificity. Most PCR uh, assays are indicating as an aid for diagnosis. Therefore, healthcare providers must consider any result in combination with timing and sampling, specimen type, as, uh, assay specifics, clinical observations, patient history, confirmed status of contacts, and epidemiological information. Okay. So, um, in a roundabout way, what they're telling you is they're getting false positives uh, with the cycles that they are running. So, a lot of people took this as the admission that uh, when running more cycles, uh, a 35 plus, which we all are completely aware of, was uh, creating false positives. So, uh, just a little tidbit of information. It was pretty cool that uh, the links actually found uh, the WHO post. 
So thanks for that links. Okay, now what are we gonna move on to here? Okay, we are gonna move over to the National Post. And this was a, <clears throat> a great article that I, that I had noted. Uh, Preston Manning, lockdown rules are violating our rights. I'm calling on the Justice Minister to intervene. This, uh, this was actually written by Preston Manning himself, special to the National Post, January 26, 2021. Uh, the following is an edited excerpt from a letter sent by Preston Manning to former leader of the Reform Party and former leader of the official opposition in Parliament to Justice Minister and Attorney General David Lamadi. The primary purpose of this letter is to request action on the part of yourself and the House of Commons Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights to achieve a better and more equitable balance, in be balance between. The protection of the health of Canadians through government measures adopted in response to the COVID-19 crisis and the protection of the rights and freedoms of Canadians as guaranteed by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. One of the unfortunate and presumably unintended consequences of the health uh, protection measures has been the widespread and prolonged infringement of fundamental rights that are guaranteed by the Charter. Section 2A, freedom of conscious, uh, conscience and religion is violated by restrictions of, on religious gatherings and worship. Section 2B, freedom of thought, belief, opinion and expression is violated when elected officials and civil servants dismiss beliefs or opinions that differ from the government's position. Shame and censor those who seek greater balance between health protections and the protections of fundamental rights and freedoms and encourage the banishment from social media platforms of those expressing different perspectives on how the COVID crisis should be handled. Section 2B is further violated by the uh, colleagues, of uh, colleagues of physicians and the surgeons which are government bodies to which the charter applies when they send threatening letters to physicians for having publicly expressed their opinions about the grave harms that lockdowns are inflicting on Canadians. Section 2C, freedom of peaceful assembly is violated by government orders that restrict or ban peaceful protests and the selective enforcement of health orders, strict enforcement for anti-lockdown protests, little or no enforcement for anti-racism protests, severely undermines the rule of law, and Section 2D, freedom of association, is violated by government orders making it illegal for friends to spend time together, for families to eat Christmas dinner together, and for Canadians to associate with each other as they themselves choose. <clears throat> Regrettably, it must also be emphasized that these violations have been occurring for more than 10 months in our sorry and in large and ever-increasing numbers uh, throughout the country moreover in addition to these violations of fundamental freedoms other important rights and freedoms guaranteed by the charter are also being infringed including widespread violations of democratic rights mobility rights legal rights equality rights and the right of every citizen and a permanent resident to pursue the gaining of a livelihood. Oh man, Preston Manning, you are kicking ass here. Woo! The denial of the right to pursue the gaining of a livelihood, which includes the right to work and operate a business, is particularly devastating as it affects the social, economic, and financial well-being of millions of Canadians. 
While health under our constitution is primary, uh, primarily a provincial responsibility given to the given the federal role in responding to COVID-19 and in uh, bringing the charter uh, bringing the charter into being, surely it is the federal government that ought to take the lead in balancing our COVID response with the rights and freedoms that are enumerated in the charter. I acknowledge that section one of the charter does permit governments to impose limits on the rights and freedoms of Canadians so long as the, uh, those limits can be demonstrably justified as reasonable in a free and democratic society. But in order for these measures to be seen as legitimate, the government has an obligation to provide Parliament and the public with evidence that it has done its due diligence and taken into account all the specific evidence, including the views of those who disagree with the government's assumptions. Well, now that hasn't happened at all, has it? Hey, friends. For example, if the government's response includes continue locked, uh, continued lockdowns, a demonstrable and reasonable justification would require the government to present a clearly written plan. Such a plan should show exactly why extraordinary measures are required, identify the nature and magnitude of the anticipated impacts of such measures, propose concrete measures for mitigating the known collateral damage that such lockdowns produce, and specify when these supposedly temporary measures will end and on what basis. To say that lockdown measures will be lifted when the numbers of cases is low enough is not a satisfactory criterion and only generates massive uncertainty among workers, employers, and investors. The Charter provides for the protection of the rights and freedoms of Canadians by declaring that anyone whose rights and freedoms as guaranteed by this Charter have been infringed or denied may apply to a court competent jurisdiction to ob obtain such remedy as the court considers appropriate and just in the circumstances uh, appropriate and just in the circumstances <clears throat> the constitution also empowers courts to declare that any law that is inconsistent with the provisions of the constitution is to the extent of the inconsistency of no force or effect However, I would suggest that these provisions are insufficient under the circumstances, given that the process of applying uh, to these courts for relief is unfamiliar to and beyond the means of most Canadians. Since not all Canadians have the resources or expertise uh, to avail themselves of this right of appeal to the courts, inequality of access becomes a further limitation on the ability of Canadians to exercise this right. That Oh man, he's killing it. Furthermore, if all the Canadians whose rights have been infringed over the last year were to apply to the courts for uh, redress, it would overwhelm the court system. Even in the event of such a flood of applications, the courts are likely to view the health protection issue, particularly in an emergency, to be a policy matter to be dealt with by Parliament, not the judiciary. As a lifelong Democrat and a former parliamentarian, I completely agree that the balancing of conflicting rights is first and foremost the responsibility of the duly elected parliament. Duly elected parliament. Very key word right there. With appeals to the courts being a measure of last, uh, of last resort. After all, Canada's current constitution was drafted and made law by elected representatives of the people not appointed judges, so it's elected officials and those uh, reporting to them, civil servants, who have the primary responsibility for protecting the rights and freedoms it guarantees and balancing that protection with other demands. 
This leads me to a third request, namely that you and your parliamentary colleagues implement other measures that could be undertaken by Parliament, Cabinet, and the Civil Service to correct the current imbalance between the necessary protection of the health of Canadians and the equally necessary protection of the constitutionally guaranteed rights and freedoms. These additional measures are required because what might have been confined to a health crisis has unfortunately been turned into a social crisis, an economic crisis, a pending financial crisis, and a crisis for children, university, college students, and high-performance athletes. Three cohorts of Canadians who are least vulnerable to the coronavirus and who ought to have been the least affected by efforts to limit its spread. Allow me to suggest five measures. Number one, public rec recognition by the Prime Minister and the government that the COVID-19 crisis has become multi-dimensional public, uh, has become, excuse me, a multi-dimensional public emergency that requires the government to broaden its management beyond the health department and the advice of the medical community to include a broader range of scientific expertise and the meaningful involvement of all of other federal agencies with experience and expertise in managing public emergencies. Number two, the convening of a special session in Parliament until the COVID crisis has passed, in which each member will have given an uh, will be given an opportunity to give a short report on the health situation in his or her constituency the positive and negative impacts of the health protection measures adopted and suggested for securing a more balanced and effective response. Number three, ordering the Department of Justice to conduct comprehensive assessments of the of impact of health protection measures on the rights and freedoms of Canadians to openly and transparently present the results of such assessments to Parliament and to put forward proposals for balancing health protections with the protection of rights and freedoms and adopt and implement those balancing measures that receive majority support in Parliament. <clears throat> Number four, action by the minister, uh, ministries, ministers of finance, economic development, and natural resources to introduce legislation requiring economic impact assessments to be performed on every major health and environmental protection measures proposed or adopted by the federal government. Number five, the employment of due diligence in the development and implementation of these and whatever further measures are required to effectively balance the protection of health of Canadians with the protection of their rights and freedoms. Let me make crystal clear that I fully recognize that the coronavirus is a serious threat to the health and well-being of Canadians that requires substantive... <clears throat> substantive uh, government action I myself due to age and family uh, predisposition to lung related illness and personally in a very vulnerable group but in the interest of all Canadians I respectfully ask for your uh, active support in achieving an equitable balance between the protection of the of the health of Canadians and the protection of their fundamental rights and freedoms under the Constitution and an equitable, equi excuse me, equitable balance between the physical well-being of Canadians and their social and economic financial well-being. Uh, way to go, Preston Manning. That's uh, the first time we've heard from him in years, hey? Like, uh, <clears throat> we haven't heard a, a peak or a boo or nothing out of Preston Manning, and then he comes forward and just goes, bam, here, read this. <laughs> and he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. And does it, will the Liberals care? No, they've got... Uh, you know, they've got a um, 
let's go heavy air quotes, conservative puppet over there in Aaron O'Toole that is actually just a masquerading liberal fascist, uh, basically kicking people that actually have balls out of his cabinet with Derek Sloan. Uh, that whole thing pissed me right off, um, as you guys probably followed the story. Uh, so that made me a supporter of Derek Sloan, seeing what they did to him. Uh, it kind of reminded me of me with my uh, social media or uh, my uh, podcast ban lately. But uh, So Derek Sloan had good ideas. He was probably un uncorrupted to a degree and was speaking his mind. So Aaron O'Toole, the uh, liberal fascist puppet, had to get rid of him, probably by, the, by order of uh, Justin Trudeau. So I don't know. Our, our political system right now in Canada is absolute trash. Like we need to absolutely just completely drain all three major parties. Actually, all of them. We should kick everybody out of our parliament. Absolutely everybody. It's all, they're, they're, all three parties are absolute crap. That's just my opinion. You've got, you got socialist fascists in, in every form. Even in the conservatives now, not that the conservatives were any better than the liberals. They did. They just did. They just did shit more shady. <laughs> they just flat out wouldn't tell you this crap that they were doing behind the scenes. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I think you know what. I think that is actually where we're going to end this one. We're going to end a little bit early tonight. Um, I just wanted to get another show back up on the air because I know uh, uh, it was Monday when we, I did the interview with. Uh, with Mitch, uh, I hope you guys tuned into that one. That was uh, really fun to do. Mitch, Mitch is incredible. Uh, a really good interviewer. I was basically taking notes on how he did it. Uh, so I'm hoping that I'm getting to the point where I'd be comfortable interviewing people here soon. Um, I have a few in mind. Um, so it was just really fun to do. Uh, I enjoyed um, the back and forth. As, as you guys are aware with uh, CPR, it's pr pretty much been a one-sided conversation since uh, since we got on the air. But don't worry, I am... I am um, planning on doing some interviews and you guys will have to just uh, bear with me as I do it because there'll be some growing pains. <laughs> like those of you that have been listening to me since the very beginning, I think we've come a long way, but there's a lot of improvements that, uh, that need to happen. And uh, one of the things I'm really wanting to do is to start interviewing incredibly interesting people. Um, <clears throat> Uh, you know, like some of our contributors, like Chef and uh, Lynx, I, uh, just a shout out to both of you. I would probably like to get both of you on this show and just uh, have a have a conversation with both of you and just see, you know, specifically with Chef because he's so involved and the Lynx is uh, just brilliant with the, the information that she could share with you guys. Um, so both, the, both, maybe we'd start with that and, um, and uh, you know, see how the interviews go and start, start that branch of uh, CPR. Anyway, my friends, if you like this show or any other and you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook. It's Canadian Patriot Radio. The message button comes directly to me. A lot of you are using it. Uh, there's a few of you that I've noticed um, I haven't uh, got back to, so I'm really sorry about that. Um, I, will, uh, I will respond to some of you. Um, it's not like me to do that. Uh, sometimes, I guess, life just takes over and uh, usually, uh, usually I'm, I, I get back to you in decent time. Uh, also, we are on uh or you can find or you can email us if you're not comfortable with facebook uh it's canadian patriot radio at gmail.com also if you guys are on telegram uh, find canadian patriot radio there it's just uh just as it's spelled 
Um, it's Canadian Patriot Radio, and that is an open chat forum. So nobody has really signed up for that yet, but I, I don't know if everybody's uh, quite figured out what Telegram actually is. Um, I absolutely love Telegram. Uh, I follow all the people that I, I trust for information on there, and it's just an absolute goldmine. So the idea behind the Telegram channel was that everybody, when you do finally get over to that platform, uh, you can talk to me and everybody else, all the rest of the contributors and everybody in the CPR community, whether you're a listener or a contributor or it's me, you can babble with me and everybody else that uh, that has become a part of the show. So I encourage everybody to find us on uh, Telegram uh, when you do get the platform. If you already have it, just search it, search the name and you'll find us and uh, you just uh, add yourself and just start t- start chatting. Okay, <clears throat> um, one more thing that I got to do. I have a shout out here um, that I want to repeat. This comes from Chef to everybody listening. Shout out to all listeners. The time to rise up is here. You are a part of the revolution. You are the 99%. Live free and do not be afraid. You are not alone. We grow daily. From the bottom of my heart, I thank each and every one of you for your continued efforts, your patriotic spirit, and your commitment to defend our rights and freedoms. However, at this time, we have no room for division. No room for bickering amongst factions and different groups over petty politics. If we are all in this together, then let's all stand together. It is only together united that we stand the best chance of being heard and making change. After being uh, first-hand witness to the overreach of authority and force by uh, police in Toronto, I was disgusted to hear and witness squabbles and heated arguments in the crowd between fellow patriots as we marched through the city. Stop fighting within our own ranks. Channel that energy and stand with our fellow freedom fighters. Despite our differences and opinions, we are all still uh, we are still all in this together and should never be fighting with each with each other. Who cares what logo you carry? Who cares what group groups you're a part of? Who cares Who cares whether you wear a mask or not? Shoulder to shoulder, arms locked, hands clasped. We stand together. We stand for unity. We stand for freedom. We must because if we fall apart now, the government wins and our fight ends. So please, I love you all and thank you. But some of you people need to pull your heads out of your ass and smarten the fuck up. (laughs) Keep fighting the good fight. Where we go one, we go all. Regards, Chef. Uh, brilliantly worded chef i hope i uh, repeated that to your satisfaction anyway friends uh that is it for this show so until next time with all thy sons command joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.